Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Issue by Issue, a DC Comics podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Nick Byers, and uh, since this is the first episode, uh, you're probably wondering what this is, uh, what this podcast is, what it's going to be, what it's about. Uh, This is a podcast that is going to be going from the very first superhero comic book that DC Comics ever published, Action Comics number one, to the present. And it's going to be going issue by issue, just like the title. Each week I'm going to be going through a certain number of issues of DC Comics as we, you know, follow along the timeline from 1938 when Action Comics was published for the first time to the present. And we're going to be contextualizing the issues in the time and place that they were published. Because I am a historian, uh, went to school uh, majoring in history, uh, I enjoy history, and I enjoy comic books. Um, but also I am not well read in DC Comics, or any comics in general. I find them to be a little bit um, daunting, I guess. I don't, I don't know when to jump on. Uh, like to you know, do I have to start at number one of an issue or of a run or something? Obviously, no, that's what everyone would say. But it feels weird for me to start in the middle. I like to know what came before. I like to know what what is you know what has happened. I don't want to have to guess or you know read from context. I want to just know it. Like I do that with movies. I, I read the book before I see the movie, and and this is just a way for me to. Uh, kind of have a reason to read these really, really early issues and, and, and the issues that come after that build up to the present day of DC Comics that we know. Uh, so, you know, it's a completionist podcast, kind of, if you want to think about it that way. So, so the first few episodes of this podcast are going to be a little bit, how do I say, like they're going to be covering a lot of time. Uh, as we get further into the future and more comics are published in a given week or a given month, it, we're going to be covering a lot less time. But these early ones, there's not a lot published. I mean, Action Comics number one is the first. Well, we'll get to that later. But Action Comics number one comes out every month. Um, so does De- Detective Comics once it starts having superheroes in it. So really, if we did it a month, we'd be covering two issues and it'd be like a, you know, 15-minute, 30-minute podcast, and I, I don't want it to be super long, because um, sometimes it can get a little bit tiring when the podcasts are too long, or, you know, maybe you're into that. That's fine. These early episodes are going to be for you then, because they're going to be covering a lot more time, and so they're going to be covering a few more issues than we'll, we'll be covering in the future. For this episode, I, I believe we're covering, like, 13, because we are covering all of 1938, um, from when Action Comics number 1 is published to um, the final books of the year in December. Um, Now, that's not an entire year, um, but it is around seven months. So that'll be, it'll be, it'll be a few. Um, And and, and the next few episodes will be covering kind of the same amount of time because, again, Detective Comics is coming out still. Like, there's no new books published until 1940 when um, Flash Comics uh, are um, started being published. Then, then we start to get some more comics being published, so we'll have to cut down the time. But yeah, so these first few episodes will be covering about six months um, from 1938 to the end of 1939. And then we might be shortening it a little bit more 
uh, once we get more characters introduced, like Superman number one is published in, you know, at the near the end of 1939. So then we're up to like four different comic series, you know, so then we're going to be getting more, cutting it down in, in terms of time. But just so everyone's aware, um, not that it matters, we're still going to be going issue by issue into the future. So step on to uh, my time-traveling gondola as we begin our journey from the past to the present, issue by issue. So to set the scene, we're going to be doing this every episode because I, I, I want to contextualize the issues uh, in the real world so that we have an understanding of where society is at as these are being published, uh, which they make a lot of the stories make more sense and feel like they're being written by people of the time. Um, so we're going to start with the early comics history of uh, DC, um, the company. So um, National Allied Publications was founded in 1934 by Major Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson. It published original comics, not reprints from newspapers like many other comic companies did at the time. Uh, its first comic book first issue started with new fun comics number one in february 1935 uh this was later renamed into more fun comics uh because the next series of comics it was started publishing was new comics and having two different comic book series with new in the name can get really confusing so uh new comics was uh, began being published in december of 1935 uh, right around the time that they changed to more fun comics at issue number seven New Comics would later be renamed into Adventure Comics, which is another anthology series. Uh, and I believe later on, Superboy uh, gets stories in Adventure Comics. Uh, then, in uh, a year later, in December 1936, Detective Comics was published. Uh, now, in order to publish this one, there was some financial finagling that they had to do. So the company's financial situation was bad. Um, it was bleeding money. Uh, so in order to be able to publish this, uh, Wheeler Nicholson had to partner up with his publisher, and they formed Detective Comics Incorporated. Uh, this later absorbed National Allied um, into it, uh, and this is where Detective Comics Incorporated is where DC comes from, uh, if you were wondering. So yeah, Wheeler Nicholson was eventually pushed out because his financial troubles were, were so bad, but those are the early years so, uh, now let's talk about the first character to debut, uh, the first superhero character in DC continuity to debut in, in DC Comics. Uh, and that is, of course, we all know this, Dr. Occult. Yes, Dr. Occult, Occult and his uh, assistant, Rose Psychic. They, of course, were the first superheroes. We all know this. No, just kidding. Um, they were the first comic book characters that are still in DC continuity to debut, uh, Dr. Colt and Rose Psychic debuted in New Fun Comics number 6. This is right before the switch to More Fun Comics. Uh, in September, September uh, 13th, 1935. Um, his real name, of course, is Richard Occult. Uh, he is a detective that utilizes the occult practices of telepathy, seeing into the future, teleportation, magic stuff, you know? And he uses his, his magical powers uh, to help solve crimes and uh, um, you know, uh, stuff like that. But we're not going to talk about really him that much because, as you'll see later, he doesn't really pop up very often. Um, and, and his early stuff 
I, I set a date, I set a starting point for Action Comics number one, and these come before Action Comics number one, and they're not very important because, as you'll see later, Dr. Occult kind of goes away for a while. Um, but now for the real-world history of the issues that we'll be talking about today. Um, it, 1938. Uh, it is, it is, uh, Hitler is rising to power in Europe. Um, the Kristallnacht, the, the Night of Broken Glass, uh, occurs in which um, Jewish uh, businesses across Europe are uh, damaged, vandalized, window fronts broken, stuff like that, uh, because of the you know, anti-Semitic ideas and, and teachings of Hitler. Um, he takes over Austria. He kind of absorbs that into his German Empire, uh, or Third Reich, uh, as it's called. Um, and then he, he uh, partitions Czechoslovakia. Uh, and the rest of Europe kind of sits by and um, practices appeasement, which is, you know, if you just give him what he wants, he'll eventually stop. And that's the stupidest theory ever. That doesn't make any sense. Um, and obviously, we all know it didn't, but we'll talk about that history uh, as we go issue by issue uh, into the future. Meanwhile, in the U.S., the U.S. is staying out of this for now. Um, they don't join the war until 1941 after... Uh, Pearl Harbor, the bombing of Pearl Harbor by the Japanese. But meanwhile, uh, in the U.S., um, they're recovering from the Great Depression under uh, FDR's New Deal programs, which were programs designed to create jobs and pump money back into the economy in order for people to, to get over the just massive amounts of poverty that they were dealing with after the crash of the stock market and, and uh, Dust Bowl in the, in the Midwest. Um, that uh, ruined farms, many, many, many farms. On top of this, Orson Welles' War of the Worlds is broadcast for the first time, which uh, was so realistic that many people thought that aliens actually were landing in New Jersey. And uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves premieres in this year. Uh, you never think of that film as being that old, but it is an, it's an incredibly old film. Um, yeah, so that is kind of setting the scene of uh, when these issues are being published. Uh, so let's let's get into it, shall we? So, Action Comics number one. First, let's talk about the cover. It's the iconic Superman in his you know 1930s costume. He's lifting a, a Studebaker-looking car over his head. He's smashing it into a rock, and there's uh, men running in fear. Um, iconic, you know. It's it's everywhere in terms of like classic comics. It's it's worth a lot of money now. But Action Comics number one, released May 3rd, 1938, with a cover date of June 1938. Cover dates, from my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, are a, were a way for um, newsstands and places where they sold comics to keep the comics on the stands longer. Because if it's got a cover date of June, you know, it can stay on for when it's released, May, 30, May 3rd. Um, to, to June, and I could be completely wrong about that. Please do correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to be spitting lies. But Action Comics number one was written by Jerome, or Jerry, Siegel, and Joe Schuster, the famous duo which who also created Dr. Occult, but left that, that story to write for Superman, uh, write, create Superman, and write the early editions of Superman. Uh, and uh, a lot of characters make their debut in Action Comics number one. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a hockey fan, so I've decided to call character debuts characters taking their rookie lap, which is a thing where 
when a rookie plays in his first game, he goes out on the ice by himself and kind of, you know, does a lap of the ice and shoots a puck into the net. It's fun. Um, and that's what I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it their rookie lap. So taking their rookie laps, um, this issue is, of course, Superman, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, uh, George Taylor, who is the editor of the Daily Star. We don't get Perry White until much later when it turns into the Daily Planet. Um, and John Giovanni Zatara, um, who is the father of Zatanna Zatara. Um, I did not know that Zatara was this uh, early of a creation. Uh, it's very cool to know that other characters that are still technically in DC continuity debuted at the same time as Superman. Because, I mean, as a casual comic book fan, a lot of people just think like, oh, it was Superman and then Batman and then Wonder Woman, blah, blah, blah. But, like, there's lots of characters that debuted um, just as early as Superman. So that's cool. And let's not forget, because Zatara is not super important. He's very much a side character. But Zatanna Zatara is very cool. And she is, you know, a mainstay of... Uh, the DC Universe. That's cool. Uh, also, uh, a character known as Tigress, who is an enemy of Zatara. This is not a Tigress that is um, ever referenced again after Zatara's stories kind of end. Um, I bring her up only because if you've seen the Young Justice cartoon, you know that Artemis Croc, a character on there, takes on the mantle of Tigress in the later seasons of the show. They're not related at all. Uh, and neither is another Tigress within DC Comics continuity, who is another villain. This is just a, a woman who wears a striped sweater and a skirt um, and does crime uh, and, and is, is the arch nemesis of Zatara. Uh, very progressive, having, a, has a, having like an arch nemesis who is a woman. That's cool. She can lead a gang. Feminism. Progressive. Who, who would have thought in 1938, right? So... Let's get into it. So, this issue of Superman starts out with a very, very different origin than we know of today. Uh, there's no, like, his parents on Krypton are not referenced at all. Um, it just says that, a, uh, it doesn't even name Krypton. It just says a distant planet um, was destroyed by old age. Planet got too old, died. And uh, people are like, I gotta go. So, a scientist, and the nameless scientist... Puts his infant son in a rocket, shoots him off into space. Okay, that's that's still that's got the framework of his origin that we know of today. But uh, he lands on Earth. A passing motorist discovers him. Nothing about John and Martha Kent. Uh, nothing about them. He's taken to an orphanage. He's a baby. He lifts a chair. He eventually gets adopted, I guess, because it goes straight from a baby lifting a chair to an adult man uh, jumping buildings and lifting up i-beams so this is where they get into superman's powers he can leap one eighth of a mile i'm assuming horizontally and hurdle a 20-story building so can't fly at this point he can raise tremendous weights which in the panel uh shows him lifting an i-beam on a construction site not in a costume which is weird so that means there's people in the world construction workers clearly who know that clark kent has superpowers it's never referenced again uh so that's weird um and he can run faster than an express train it's 1938 there's not a lot of things that go fast so that is that is the, um that is the only thing they have to compare it to i guess planes but still uh, and then nothing else, nothing less than a bursting shell could penetrate his skin. So he's invulnerable, basically, unless, like, I guess he's shot by a tank 
which he, he is not ever uh, in these early stories. Uh, so he decides to be a superhero. He decides to be Superman. Um, and, and he, we, we find him in media res carrying a woman, a, a gagged and bound woman. Uh, he puts her next to a tree. It's nighttime. He, uh, goes to the governor's mansion. Um, and he, he kind of manhandles his way in. He lifts the butler with one hand and carries him upstairs. And it's like, governor, the governor sleeps behind a metal door which is like that's really intense security for just a governor like governors today don't even do that he goes to the governor and um he says that uh, a woman who is going to be electrocuted uh for murder is innocent and he has proof the butler is like weirdly still trying to defend the governor and he shoots superman obviously doesn't work uh the governor calls in stops the execution good job Good job, Superman. You did it. You saved an innocent woman. Then we are shown Superman's uh, civilian identity, Clark Kent. He's a reporter for the Daily Star. Uh, and he is given the assignment of finding all the stories about Superman. So that's really convenient. That's great. It's very it's very uh, not reminiscent of Spider-Man because Spider-Man hasn't happened yet. But Spider-Man kind of does the same thing where Peter Parker uh, gets paid to take pictures of Spider-Man. And he is Spider-Man. So... Superman, that's great. That's a great assignment for Clark. Uh, as he's leaving, uh, presumably to go like chase leads on Superman, someone says that uh, a wife beating was phoned in, which I found to be so weird. Why are they calling a newspaper to tip them off about a wife beating? Why not call the cops? Apparently they do call the cops because after Superman goes and basically beats up the, the man who is beating his wife with a belt, he, he quickly... Uh, puts back his puts back on his Clark Kent disguise, and the cop is like, "What are you doing here?" And he and Clark is like, "I thought I heard Superman was here, uh, but it looks like he left. He beat up this guy who was beating his wife. It just uh, it seems like not newsworthy. Like, why would you call a newspaper and be like, someone's beating their wife? That's not news. People don't want to read about that, or it's not it's not something that people need to read about." Um, I guess unless you really hate that guy and you want to ruin his reputation, but which is true. You should ruin his reputation. He's a bad guy. He should go to jail. Domestic abuse is no joke. Okay. Uh, next, Clark asks out Lois Lane, who are we are introduced to at this point. She does not like him. Uh, she, they're out dancing, and Clark asks her, why is it you always avoid me at the office? And Lois says, please, Clark, I've been scribbling sob stories all day long. Don't ask me to dish out another. It's like, wow, that's cold. Why did you go out with him if you do not like him? Um, you do not, I mean, this is 1938, so she's probably like, I have to say yes. No, you don't. Lois, you don't have to go out with anyone you don't want to, okay? Know that. Know your worth. A group of CD uh, fellows... Uh, tries to cut in. Lois slaps them because she does not want to dance with them and she wants Clark to stick up for her. He does not. He Clark Kent at this point has a very cowardly demeanor to hide the fact that he is Superman. The Lois leaves. Uh, she storms out. She puts on her coat and her hat and she leaves uh, to get into a taxi. The seedy gentlemen hop in their own green Studebaker and follow her. Uh, they run the taxi off the road and kidnap lois don't know why don't know what they're going to do probably something not great um probably something illegal to her obviously kidnapping is illegal but something much worse uh superman chases down the car 
they are terrified because a man is running at the same speed as a car. Uh, that's not normal. Uh, he lifts the car up, dumps the dudes out, and Lois out, catches Lois, of course, uh, and then smashes, smashes it onto a rock, which is where the cover comes from. He chases after the individual dudes. Uh, he hangs the leader uh, from a uh, telephone wire, telephone pole. Uh, the guy asks him to get him off of there, and he says, okay, I'll cut you loose. And he's like, oh, don't, because like, then he'll fall, and also his pants will be ruined. Superman takes Lois home, and Lois is smitten immediately. Um, uh, she goes to her boss, George Taylor, uh, and says that she saw Superman last night. And he was like, are you sure it wasn't pink elephants you saw? Because you can't believe women. It's 1938. So, he doesn't believe her. Uh, even though he knows Superman exists, he has given the assignment to Clark Kent. I don't know why. It's obviously because she is a woman. So she gives Clark the cold shoulder because he is a coward. And that is that sort of story uh, that's Lois's part of this issue. Uh, Clark is then given the assignment to go cover a war in San Monte, which is a made-up country. Uh, there are a lot of made-up countries in DC Comics continuity, just like in Marvel. Kent does not go to San Monte. He goes to Washington, D.C. Why, you maybe ask? They tell us. He is investigating a, a arms dealer who is making shady deals with a Senator Barrows. Uh, the, the arms dealer is named Alex Greer. Uh, Greer and Senator Barrows talk about a bill that Barrows is pushing through that has, I guess, nefarious implications. They don't really go into depth. It's going to benefit Greer and obviously Barrows, unless obviously Greer has paid Barrows off to do this, which is, they don't explain either, so, you know. Uh, Superman grabs Greer as he's, uh, as he's getting off, you know, an elevator coming out of a building and kind of jumps up into the sky holding him by his foot. He runs on, you know, electric wires. He uh, kind of is scaring him by, like, kind of doing these feats of, unimaginable stuff you know jumping so far you know so high and and running so fast and uh and that's where it cuts off we we the last panel we see is uh superman jumping with greer in his arms and that is that is it for action comics number one at least the superman portion of action comics number one action comics number one also includes uh a zatara story titled the Mystery of the Freight Train Robberies. Um, I should say that Superman story. These stories were not titled originally. They're, they're later titled, titled in collections, uh, archive collections of these early action comics and DC comics and more fun comics, all this kind of stuff. Uh, so that first uh, adventure of Superman is called Superman Champion of the Oppressed, clearly an origin story title. Um, and the Satara story is titled The Mystery of the Freight Train Robberies. And it involves Zatara stopping um, a series of freight train robberies. Great title for it. It makes sense. Um, so we're introduced to Zatara and his um, assistant, Tong, who is an Indian man who wears a turban and no shirt. So very stereotypical depiction of an Indian man for the time. Uh, they are asked by a friend of theirs, Detective Brady, to guard a freight train uh, from Tigris. They know who's doing it. I don't know why they don't find her and just arrest her. Um, she is stealing things from freight trains. So, um, But during their guarding, Brady is captured and killed. Um, 
and uh, the crooks who've done it lure uh, Zatara into a trap. Zatara um, uh, escapes, uh, as do the crooks, uh, but Brady is blamed for the robberies. Um, uh, Zatara suspects that there's an inside man, um, the train inspector Babcock. He catches Babcock red-handed, um, helping the thieves. Tigress sneaks up on Zatara, uh, tries to kill him in a fire. Zatara escapes uh, and stops the train robberies from happening. Tigress gets away, as she often does, um, but Zatara gets the thieves and Babcock. Zatara does a little magic throughout this. Uh, he does magic by saying words backwards, just like Zatanna does. And yeah, it's a weird... These early stories of Zatara are things that I don't think a magician needs to be tasked with. They're very run-of-the-mill, very street-level stuff. Uh, no magic involved on the other side. So it seems kind of unfair to the bad guys, I guess, in the story, which is a weird thing to say. But yeah, so that's, that's Zatara's first story. It's nothing, nothing to write home about. Next up is More Fun Comics number 32, which was released on May 17th, 1938. It involves Dr. Occult uh, with the subtitle The Ghost Detective. Dr. Occult at the time has this machine that is basically like in uh, Minority Report, the pre-crime future-telling thing, but this machine of his uh, transports him to places where crime is going to happen by utilizing a, another dimension where he can see and hear what's going on in our dimension, but he cannot be seen or heard. And he interrupts this to these three men, one, one who's clearly in charge, talking about, you know, like a crime they're going to do. And Dr. Colt uses hypnotic suggestion without being seen or heard, so I don't know how that works, to get one of them to reveal their plan. And this is where, this is where another feature of the podcast comes in. Uh, I'm going to be posting panels that I find funny or uh, that just look cool onto on the podcast's Instagram, which is Issue Issue Podcast. And, and I'm, I'm calling it Primo Panels because most comic books, you love that alliteration, you know? So the first Primo panel of the podcast is, is a panel from More Fun Comics number 32. And it says, the caption is, Under the influence of Dr. Colt's hypnotic suggestion, the man reveals all. And it says, The Jordan Dairy Company refuses to come across with the weekly tribute, so we're going to teach them a lesson by poisoning their milk. Which I just find the phrase poisoning their milk to be so fun. Uh, it's not great. People are going to die when that happens. Um, but I just find it funny. Like, that's their grand scheme. I'm going to poison your milk. Dr. Colt puts the men to sleep uh, using magic. And then they, uh, utilizing this, you know, different dimension, are tr quickly traveling to this milk business, this Jordan Dairy Company, to presumably stop it from happening. And then that's a cliffhanger. That's it. That's the end of Dr. Occult. That's the last appearance of Dr. Occult until September 1985 when he appears in All-Star Squadron number 49. So that's crazy. That, like... Like, I understand, you know, comics were a, a new medium, like superhero comics were a new medium, so, but it's just so weird, like, he doesn't appear for, like, 50 years. But then he comes back, but he only comes back for a little while. He's still technically in continuity, like, he still exists, but he's net like, he's never, like, in a story again. But it's just funny. So that is, that is, um, that's more fun comics, number 32. Moving on uh, to action comics number two. Uh, which was released June 2nd, 1938. 
uh, with a cover date of July 1938. Uh, another uh, anthology, most of these actual comics number, you know, early ones are anthologies until they become solely Superman stories later on. This story picks up exactly where uh, Action Comics number one's Superman story left off. He is holding Alex Greer, the uh, the weapons, the arms dealer. Wait a minute, I am mistaken. This Alex Greer is not the arms dealer we're talking about. Um, he is just a kind of a shady dude who does shady dealings. There's a man behind him that is the 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 munitions dealer magnate. Uh, Emil Norville. This Alex Greer leads, you know, points Superman towards him. Greer tips off Norville, uh, and he is waiting for Superman when he gets to his, you know, house, uh, and has a bunch of men ready with Tommy guns, and they shoot Superman a bunch. Obviously, it doesn't work. Uh, Superman scares uh, Norville and brings him down to the docks and says, You're going to be on that boat tomorrow. Uh, it goes to San Monte. If he doesn't find him on that boat, he's going to just make his life miserable. Superman and Lois are tasked with going to San Monte to cover the war, as we learned last time. Norval is on the on the boat. Uh, Superman spooks him. Norval sends dudes after Superman to kill him. They uh, they kind of they corner Superman. He leans against a railing and it breaks, and it's very comical. Uh, and he falls into the water and they think he's dead. Obviously he's not. Superman swims faster than the boat goes. And Superman is there waiting for Norville when he lands. Superman then forces Norville to join the army. And he shows him the firsthand, you know, firsthand experience of war and what his munitions dealing does. Superman then rushes off um, to the enemy camp uh, in the war. And uh, takes, you know, secret pictures of the war and sends them to the Evening News in Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why he doesn't send them to the Daily Star uh, where he works. Uh, I think it's probably just a slip up on Jerry, um, on Siegel, Siegel and Schuster's part. Because, I mean, after this, it's, it's referred to again as the Daily Star. So it's, it's weird. Uh, meanwhile, Lois Lane is in the ho- in a hotel in San Monte, and she meets a-, a wealthy traveler named Lola Cortez. Lola Cortez is a spy. She plants evidence on Lois. Uh, Lois is found guilty of espionage. See, so she is sent before a firing squad. The firing squad shoots, but Superman in- uh, gets there in time, blocks the bullets, and jumps over a wall. Is saving her. This is uh, the second primo panel of the uh, podcast. It is a panel of three military men uh, with guns. Uh, they say, stop, you can't do this, it's impossible. And Superman is jumping over a wall, and he just says, thanks for letting me know. Like, I know it's impossible, but I'm doing it anyways. Uh, and I find that just very funny, because Superman gets is very sassy in these early uh, issues. Uh, Lois tries to ask him questions, and... Uh, he, he says, no, I'm not going to answer your questions. He stops a man from being tortured next. Uh, just, you know, a quick five panels stops a man from being tortured. He then fights a plane uh, single-handedly. He jumps up into the sky and basically punches the plane. Because he's Superman, he can do that. 
He Superman then stops the war by bringing the two heads of this, you know, two enemy armies uh, together and says, "Stop fighting!" Or like, "Why are you fighting?" And they don't, they don't really know why they're fighting. And so, and then the war is stopped. Superman, Peacekeeper, uh, and then and then Clark Kent goes back to his editor and says, "Here's the story." Uh, his, his editor's like, we haven't seen Superman since you've been gone. That's weird. And Clark's like, oh, I'm sure you'll see him again soon. And they and he winks at the camera. He doesn't, but he would if this was live action. And that's the end of issue two uh, of Superman. Uh, it's, you know, weird. These early stories are so weird. Um, he's obviously the champion of the oppressed, and, and war is bad. I agree. I, I think war is stupid. Uh, it just seems like a weird... <laughs> Use of his powers and his time. Yeah, I mean, obviously he does good work. He stopped a war within a day or two. But it's so far removed from what we think of as a Superman story today. Where he punches, like, super-powered people and giant aliens and stuff. But um, he can't even fly yet. He doesn't even have laser eyes or frost breath yet. So this is very, very, very street-level Superman. Uh, The Zatara story of uh action comics number two is titled uh the haunted farm zatara goes to a farm the owner claims it is haunted zatara visits the farm and discovers the body of a man named jim hendrix uh the owner whose name is adam springer claims that the ghost murdered hendrix uh, zatara does some investigating learns that hendrix was really the farm's owner springer killed him to try to steal the farm for the oil rights it's not bad not a bad idea springer obviously murdered hendrix and uh used the ghost ray to try to cover it up zatar exposes the plot and uh springer is arrested this is closer to what like it's more supernatural than you know zatar's last story so that's that's better it's obviously not supernatural because it's just a guy who is lying about a ghost but we're getting there we're getting there next up is action comics number three in this one, Superman deals with the owner of a mine who slacks on um, the safety regulations that you know or keep his workers safe while working the mines. Uh, there's a mine collapse and uh, workers are trapped. Superman pretends to be a worker, pretends to fall into the mine, and then quickly frees the workers. Uh, and and you know. It's like, yay, good job. He then asks the owner if he's going to start being better about his safety. He says, no, of course not, uh, because his workers don't have anywhere else to go, so he can basically treat them however he wants. Uh, the the rich owner is throwing a party. Superman, dressed like a miner again, tries to sneak in. He's caught. He tells uh, the owner... That he just wants to see what it's like to be a rich person. Uh, the the mine owner tells all his guests, "Oh, let's go see what it's like to be a mine worker. Let's go party in the mine." Uh, Superman leads them there. He breaks the supports without them knowing and traps them. They all freak out um, because there's no safety features. Like the safety alarm that like calls up to the top doesn't work, and they all think they're gonna suffocate. Superman waits until they all fall asleep. You know, obviously, it takes a lot to panic. It takes a lot of energy. So eventually, they all fall asleep. He then gets them out while they don't notice. And then several days later, Clark Kent asks the mine owner again 
if he's going to you know make his mind safe he says yes it's going to be the safest mine in in the on the planet in the universe so yeah it's another example of superman using his powers to make corrupt people change their minds about things which is you know goes along the lines of what early superman is you know champion of the oppressed you know fighting fat cats with his powers um it's all very street level stuff it's very much a waste of the character of superman in my opinion but this was you know this is what was going on at the time so that is uh action comics number three is superman story the zatara story uh of of this issue is called death from the air uh zatara is tasked with solving a case in which people are getting murdered by a plane it it's of course tigress tigress is the one flying the plane and killing people uh she's doing it to get these men's inheritance which did she know them like is she written into their will i I just don't understand the logic of this because you have to be in someone's will or like related to them to get their inheritance so i find it weird Zatara Zatara follows her. He battles her gang. She escapes, uh, but she stops killing people for their inheritance. Uh, it's a really weird scheme. Uh, and again, another thing that's like, why does Zatara have to do this? He is a he is magic. He he does shouldn't be dealing with a you know run of the mill criminal uh, who does weird schemes. So, but that's Action Comics number three in its entirety. In Action Comics number four, uh, the Superman story. Oh, I can't, I've completely forgotten to say the release dates of these, which is my bad. Um, sorry, I will be better about that. Uh, Action Comics number four was released on August 2nd, 1938, with a cover date of September 1938. Sorry about that. No debuts, no rookie laps in this one. We find Superman witnessing a hit and run. He follows the, the man who did the hit and run to the train tracks where he stalls superman follows the the man who did the hit and run or hit skip as it's called in in the comic book basically you know saves his life um but the man dies of a heart attack because of jumping out of the way of a moving of of an oncoming train uh and superman's like well uh, you know i did a did a kill he then goes inside the train and overhears the coach of a university football team saying to two kind of ruffians that he wants them to dress up like football players uh, in in the upcoming game uh, so, uh, and kind of like destroy their the other team's stars physically because otherwise he will get fired if he doesn't win this game. Superman then pretends to be this bench warmer on the opposing team. He kidnaps him. He drugs him. He gives him like a paralytic. And then he pretends to be him. Uh, Everyone's really impressed by how good this dude has gotten in football. And it's like, great, they're going to win now. uh, Because no one can stop Superman. It's really silly. This is the silliest story I have come across yet. I mean, obviously it hasn't been very many stories. But the the coach that will get fired if he doesn't win finds out that this football player on the opposing team is suddenly so good he sends the same guys to kidnap him superman finds out follows them discovers what they've done he's gonna show up anyways they're they are confused but uh the 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 bad guy coach 
tells them to stab Superman, who who is pretending to be this college football player, uh, on the field. Obviously, it's not going to work because Superman is unstabbable. Superman does great. He's winning. Uh, he's doing. He's being great at football. And the the guy he's impersonating, who he has told his plan. Uh, he, he he escapes from the bad guys who tied him up in bed. Uh, he gets to the football game. And there's been this whole B-plot of his girlfriend who broke up with him because he's bad at football and she's dating this tennis star. And she's at the game with this tennis star and sees her ex-boyfriend, a.k.a. Superman, pretending to be her ex-boyfriend, doing great. And she's like, so long, tennis champ. I'm, you know, I'm going back to my, my Tommy. And it's like, Tommy, don't. She's clearly only interested in you because you're good at sport she she doesn't care about you please know your self-worth tommy and do not do not take her back he's of course going to take her back superman wins the game uh but then quickly changes places with burke uh so he can get the girl uh that the evil the bad guy coach gets fired and that's the end of the story this is the most this is the most ridiculous use of superman's powers up to this point that i have seen stopping war fine we're helping out workers' rights and, and worker safety. Fine. Stopping a, a, a coach from cheating at a football game? Ridiculous. 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 But that is that is Action Comics number five's Superman story. Action Comics number five's Zatara story. Sorry, number four. That's my beat. Is Zatara sees a murder outside of a nightclub. Um, the murderers kidnap the guy who was killed girlfriend they try to get information about a safe that this guy had uh and the stuff that's inside of it she doesn't know zatara stops them and and that's the end it's a very forgettable story um as are a lot of zatara stories so but you gotta talk about them because that is the point of this podcast uh, you can't just pick the stories you want to talk about because otherwise i would not have talked about the football story because it is ridiculous but moving on to action comics number five which was released on september 6th 1938 with a cover date of october 1938 no debuts in this one either this one deals with superman stopping a dam from breaking and flooding valley ho town which is a ridiculous name for a town clark kent is sent out to cover the dam possibly breaking and flooding the valley ho town uh lois wants the story uh so she tricks clark into uh going to the hospital uh where a woman is giving birth to septuplets seven seven kids this is long before octomom so that's like a really big story clark goes there's nobody there giving birth to septuplets he goes back tries to explain himself to george taylor his editor and he fires him clark says we'll see about that he turns into superman and basically runs beating lois to valley hotel on the way there he stops a bridge from collapsing that a train is going over the train that lois is in as she's going to valley hotel to cover the dam uh superman beats lois there still lois asks tries to get a taxi um the taxi driver's like i gotta get out of here the dam is gonna break and my question is why don't you just drive out of town instead of abandoning your car but it's his life he can do whatever he wants Lois drives straight towards the dam to, I guess, get a good look at it. Don't know why. It doesn't make sense from, like, being a journalist. You don't need to see the dam break. 
whatever. Superman, meanwhile, is trying to stop the dam from breaking in order for the town to be evacuated. He can't stop it. He sees Lois's car get hit by the floodwaters. He grabs her out of there. Um, he races the water. He breaks off a chunk of a mountain and blocks up the valley to stop the water from destroying the town. He calls in to his editor. Well, actually, before that, he obviously he, he drops Lois off in Valley Hope Town, gets a big old kiss, and he's like, wow, what a kiss. A super kiss for a superman, is what Lois says. So there you go. Super kiss. Uh, he calls in his editor and says, I got the story. He gets his job back. He goes to the office the next day and says, Lois, that was a pretty pretty mean stunt you pulled on me. And she says, who cares? And, and in, in her mind thinks, the spineless worm, I can hardly bear looking at him. After having been in the arms of a real He-Man, a.k.a. Superman, a.k.a. Clark Kent. And that's the end of that story. A much better use of Superman's powers, I would say. You know, super strength, trying to stop the dam from breaking, outrunning floodwaters and a train, stopping a bridge from collapsing. It's great. It's, it's a much better story, much better use of Superman's powers than any of the stories we have since read. Uh, Action Comics number five's Zatara story is entitled The Egyptian Wizard. This, so this, this issue of Action Comics does, does justice to both Superman's powers and Zatara's. So Zatara is in Egypt. He meets a member of an expedition who is fleeing from the Temple of Philae, P-H-I-L-A-E. In fear, Zatara goes to investigate the temple and learns that other members of the expedition are trapped inside. Zatara gets in and battles uh, a magic Egyptian wizard named Amenhotep, uh, who does come back. It, this is the first, like character that comes back in Zatara's stories. He comes back uh, later in Justice League of America number 51, so that's cool. This is the first time that's happening with Zatara. After battling Amenhotep, he locates the missing expedition members, rescues them, battles Amenhotep again, defeats him, and uh, Zatara makes the temple safe for the expedition workers to explore. So that's great. A magic battle between two magic users. Great. Great, 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 great. Great story. Of Zatars. Um, next up is, you might be thinking, oh, is it Action Comics number six? No, it's not Action Comics number six. It's Detective Comics number 20. But wait, Superman doesn't debut until Action Comics or Detective Comics number 27. Correct. We're not talking about Superman. Or, sorry, we're not talking about Batman. We're talking about Batman, but he's not Batman. We're talking about the Crimson Avenger. But first, the stuff I always forget. Detective Comics number 20 was uh, released on September 20th, huh? That's a fun little coincidence. 1938 with a cover date of October 1938. And taking their rookie lap is the Crimson Avenger, Lee Travis, and his sidekick, Wing, who is a very racist, stereotypical depiction of an Asian man who drives him around. He's his, you know, his chauffeur and assistant. It's very much a ripoff of the Green Hornet uh, because he... Uh, the Crimson Avenger, uh, Lee Travis, is a the uh, editor of a newspaper. He uh, wears a very color-specific costume, which is a, a cloak and uh, a cloak that is red, uh, and a hat and uh, a mask. And he uses a gun that shoots gas, very much like the Green Hornet, who was 
um, on the radio at the time, and this is very much an, uh, an homage or basically a, they stole it. It's, it's not an homage at this point. It's a, they stole the idea and made it into comics because the Green Hornet isn't in comics. He's only on the radio. But this first story of the Crimson Avenger is very much the street level dealing with you know corruption and stuff that Batman will later deal with. Um, uh, this is kind of basically a test run of the idea of just a guy with no superpowers still fighting crime. And it is dealing with a witness uh, racketeering kind of scheme uh, put on by a guy named Myron, defense lawyer Myron Block, uh, where he basically fabricates witnesses. And the Crimson Avenger, who they refer to often as just the Crimson in order to save words on the page, he uh, goes to Brock and basically says, I'm going to do a crime and I, I'd like to hire you to give me an alibi. Uh, and basically uh, the Crimson Avenger has has this defense attorney have a bunch of people say that he, he wants Block to fabricate a bunch of witnesses to say that the Crimson was in one place when the Crimson is going to be in another place uh, killing, quote unquote, the DA. So the Crimson Avenger uh, hires Block to give him an alibi um, and fabricate witnesses to, to ensure that he, you know, he will get uh, away with his crime. And so Block gives the Crimson Avenger a, a gun and a note, a suicide note, to make it look like suicide rather than murder. The Crimson it goes and, and pretends to kill the district attorney, threatens him, uh, and leaves behind the weapon and the note. The fake witnesses call the police, um, saying that they've seen the Crimson uh, somewhere else. Uh, the police dust the gun for fingerprints, find Block's fingerprints, uh, and think that he is pretending to be the Crimson Avenger. Um, and then they arrest Block. It's kind of a convoluted sort of story. It works. I mean, it works. And, and it, like, if you think about it, it's like, okay, uh, he basically shows that they're faking witnesses and shows that it was Block that's faking these witnesses. So, I mean, it's the kind of street-level stuff and um, corruption sort of stuff that the Crimson Avenger deals with. It's a, and it's a good first story. Uh, next up is Action Comics number 6, uh, which was released on October 4th, 1938, with a cover date of November 1938. There is a, a rookie lap in this one. Canonically, this is the first appearance of Jimmy Olsen. He doesn't have a name. He is blonde instead of a redhead. No one calls him Jimmy. They retcon it as this being Jimmy Olsen before he's actually introduced later on. Uh, so that's tight. We'll technically call this his debut. We'll also do another debut for actual Jimmy Olsen, like the first canonical, I mean, the first actual reference to Jimmy Olsen. Uh, but that's, yeah, but we don't get a lot of. Uh, rookie laps in these early action comics because they're all throwaway one-shot stories but so the superman story in this action comics issue involves a man um pretending to be the manager of superman and he is selling the likeness and the use of the word superman to make money uh, for like advertisers and stuff clark talks to this manager and says, hey, I'd love to interview Superman. Why don't we set up a meeting? He sets up a meeting. Obviously, he has a fake Superman. And obviously, Clark knows that it's not actually Superman because he's Superman. Jimmy Olsen, the blonde, bow-tie-wearing, non-named Jimmy Olsen in this story, tells Lois about it, that, that Superman is meeting Clark Kent uh, for an interview tonight. And so Lois hatches a plan. She asks 
Clark out on a date. They go out on a date. They go dancing. They listen to a lady sing a song about Superman. She then puts drugs into Clark's martini and drugs him. Basically roofies him. And then just leaves him at the table and leaves the restaurant. Like, Lois is a real um, dick in these early stories to Clark. All in her pursuit of Superman. Like, she's thirsty. Like, she's thirsty as hell for Superman. Because, like, if you're going to drug someone, don't leave them at the restaurant. A, don't drug people. But B, if you're going to, don't leave them at the restaurant. That's not cool. They could drown in their soup. Lois goes to the the meeting with uh, this fake Superman and his manager. Uh, The the fake Superman climbs through the window like he just jumped up there. uh, And lifts a desk and he bends a metal bar. Lois is like, that's not true. I've seen Superman. And also this desk is made of light cardboard. And she lifts it up. Uh, So she knows that it's fake. They grab her and throw her out the window. Superman catches her. And then he comes up. He jumps up through the window and chases them into the elevator. They get in the elevator and try to descend down, you know, to, to escape. Superman rips the elevator doors open and kind of pulls it up by its uh, cable. Grabs the men, brings them to the police station and says, these two people were, uh, I'd like them to be charged with attempted murder. They threw this woman out of a window, many stories up. And uh, the the two crooks turn on each other and that's the end. Superman saved the day, quote unquote. Another, it's another goofy story that doesn't really utilize Superman as a character really at all. It's just kind of a funny... Like, haha, like, look, this person, you know, pretends they know Superman because no one knows who Superman actually is. That's early, that's early comics. And I'll stop, and I'll, I'll try to stop harping on the fact that these early comics are so silly. They, of course, going to, going to be silly. Uh, comics are a com- com- completely new medium. Uh, superhero comics are at this point. So, uh, but on to the Zatara story, uh, which is titled The Emerald of Chops. Emerald of Chops. Um, Zatara is about to leave Egypt after, you know, saving the day last time. Uh, but he finds out the Tigris plans to steal the Emerald of Cheops. You know, the famous Emerald of Cheops, of course. Uh, Zatara crosses the desert to, um, to beat Tigris to the pyramid where the Emerald of Cheops is being, is held. Uh, he goes to sleep like a silly, silly guy because he's so tired from, from crossing the desert. And Tigris successfully steals the emerald of cheops because he's sleeping on the job uh she then sends a desert a group of desert bandits to kind of attack zatara zatara uses his magic to stop them and kind of takes over their like kind of says listen to me which he does a lot with his powers he basically tells a lot of people like you are under my power but in reverse and gets them to like do what he wants uh and so he tells them to capture tigris they do uh, he, he gets the emerald and returns it to the um, pyramid. The leader of the bandits betrays him and steals the emerald himself uh, and takes Tigris to sell her on the slave market. Uh, Zatara prevents Tigris from being sold. He stops the desert bandits from like s- selling the emerald as well. He returns the emerald to the pyramid and seals it with magic, uh, which, like, hey, that makes sense. And obviously captures tigris uh so that's good you know used a bit of magic but also again kind of a story that doesn't really need a magician so 
Uh, next up is Detective Comics number 21, which released on October 18th, 1938, with a cover date of November 1938. This uh, Crimson Avenger story is called Mystery at the Mount Pleasant Cemetery. Basically, involve, involves um, grave rob grave robberies, uh, people digging up graves and stealing out of them. And it's very, it's very, the ending is very silly. So, but like the Crimson Avenger finds a guy who is, who is involved. He gets information from him. The Crimson Avenger gets to the cemetery while the crooks are digging up another grave. It turns out they were looking for the grave of this gangster named Slug. Uh, They don't know his last name. So they're just picking random graves, hoping to find it. It's their, their plan is not great at all. um, Because I doubt Slug is even his first name. So there's no way they're going to find it. Uh, And the Crimson Avenger catches them. It's very silly. Uh, Next up is Action Comics number 7. Superman gets the cover treatment for this one again, just like he did. He hadn't had it since the Action Comics number 1. This story deals with Superman helping out a troubled circus, which will have to sell uh, a stake to um, a, a man who it owes a lot of money to, and but the circus is not doing well. Uh, so it doesn't have the money to pay him. Uh, so Superman joins the circus to be a strongman because he can lift crazy heavy things uh, more than a regular strongman. The circus starts to be more popular. Uh, the man who wants to own part of it or all of it gets a guy to sabotage the circus by cutting the you know center pole and he um, releases the lion. Uh, Lois finds out uh, that he's doing this, and like he grabs him, and a dog, like a guard dog, tries to stop him. He kicks the dog, and that's not great. They only show a silhouette of it, but it's bad. It's it's not good to kick dogs. Superman finds out. He stops all these calamities from happening. Uh, the guy goes to jail for doing bad stuff. Yeah, and, and and so just another. There is a really funny scene. After Superman grabs the guy who's doing the sabotage, he he throws him so hard that he changes color. So, like, he's wearing a purple suit, and he has, like, dirty blonde hair. He is then thrown so hard he's wearing a pink suit, and his hair is white, which I think was just a mistake by the, the colorist. So that's funny. But, yeah, so the su- Superman, you know, stops him, and he goes to jail. He saves Lois from the bad guys at the end, and... and she wants to thank him but instead he just jumps through a window and says some other time because he just like doesn't have time for lois um because because he's superman and he's above that he's above the the temptations of the carnal flesh um but uh the b story of this very very small b story is that clark is being bullied at work like a guy's flipping his tie and before you know clark didn't do anything but then at the end he, he at this you know speed faster than like people can see. Um, he rips the guy's suit off, just ruins the guy's suit, and he's in his underwear. And it's everyone laughs. It's haha, that guy's you know naked in his underwear. Um, but like that guy's suit's ruined, Clark. All he did was flip your tie. Maybe just try talking to him, you brute. So yeah, so that's another silly act. Uh, early Golden Age Superman story. Uh, again, another real waste of Superman's powers. But the Zatara story is called uh, the Zulu Diamond Mine, and it involves Zatara being framed for you know stealing diamonds 
uh, by a diamond smuggler named Harold Foams. Uh, Zatara tracks Foams and learns that he intends to rob a diamond mine uh, with the aid of a Zulu tribe because he's in South Africa at this point. Zatara just travels, you know. He's just always traveling. He's a, he's a he is a jet setter. Zatara meets the tribe and convinces them to help him instead. Uh, the robbery still succeeds even without the help of the tribe. Foams escapes with the diamonds. Uh, the Zulu tribe helps Zatara to track down Foams. He already sold the diamonds to, guess who? Tigris. Zatara tries to prevent her from escaping, but her plane has already left. Zatara forces the plane to land using his magics. And Tigris is taken into custody for like the first time in her entire story arc so far. Uh, and then uh, the diamonds are returned. And great job, Zatara. Again, another story that doesn't really need someone as powerful as Zatara, but what are you going to do? Uh, next is uh, Detective Comics number 22, um, which involves the Crimson Avenger. He gets the cover treatment for the first time since his creation, and the story he's uh, his story is called Wanted, Dead or Alive, The Crimson Avenger. And this one is kind of, it kind of is Lee Travis uh, puts a bounty on the, the Crimson Avenger kind of to, to hide hide the fact that he is the Crimson Avenger because like why would he want to put a bounty on himself? Um, so a reporter and police officer tell them that they have the information that he's looking for. The police officer, Sergeant, Sergeant Haynes, turns his information over to the district attorney but then a group of crooks break into the DA's office and into his safe and steal the information. Sergeant Haynes blames the Crimson Avenger for the theft, obviously because it's information about him, but he's really the head of the gang. He's an inside man. Um, the Crimson chases Haynes down uh, and then turns over the information that it turns out that he had was just blank paper. It's a story that doesn't make any sense. Why would he do this? But there you go. Uh, Action Comics number 8 is next up uh, with a release date of December 6th, 1938. This is the last Action Comics of the year. It has a cover date of January 1939. Uh, this one is... Uh, the, the actual story, Superman story, is called Superman in the Slums, but I like to refer to it as Superman Misunderstands the Connection Between Poverty and Crime. And so it involves a group of boys who are, you know, stealing from people's houses. And the reason that, you know, the boy's mother and society says they're doing this is, is because uh, they live in the slums. It's not referred to as suicide slums, which is, or suicide slum, which is a, a, a location in uh, Metropolis. It's where uh, Black Lightning is from. Uh, it's just referred to as the slums and it turns out that these boys are working for a man named gimpy who gives them information and takes a cut of their the stuff they steal uh and he says that he'll protect them if the cops ever you know pinch them or whatever the boys uh, uh the story begins with uh one of the boys on trial and uh, uh gimpy does nothing to stop him from going to jail so he goes to jail uh, so the, the rest of the boys go to Gimpy's hideout and are like, hey, you didn't protect our friend. You said you would. And Gimpy's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I, I will. And I, I've got a job for you that'll get you, you know, some good money. And so he sends the boys on this job 
but he immediately calls the cops to tell them tell them the information about where the boys are going to be breaking into. Superman stops him before he can say all of the locations. He kind of uh, roughs up Gimpy and kind of throws him against the wall and and uh, throws him into a barrel. And the barrel, there's a word on the barrel that's partially obscured, but it's a black substance and it looks like it says tar. Um, he puts him in face first, and and if you throw a human being into tar face first, they're probably going to die and suffocate. This doesn't happen to Gimpy, which is weird, but so we'll get back to that later. Superman then rushes out to uh, kind of stop the cops from finding the boys. Like uh, the first one, the cops you know find him, but Superman swoops in and, and grabs him. Uh, the next, uh, the boy is already captured by the police, but Superman lifts the cop car up and opens up the back doors and grabs the boy out. Uh, the next one, you know, he's succeeded in his crime. Superman grabs the bag and throws it back in the house. And uh, Superman stops the last one from cutting the bars off of a window of a house. He then runs the boys, you know, back home or in an alleyway. And he's talking to them. He's like, hey, don't do crime and stuff. And he convinces them that Gimpy is not there to help him, help them. And while they're having this conversation, Gimpy sneaks up with a gun. He's not covered in tar, so he must have some sort of magic degreaser that gets tar off of a human skin and, and clothes. Uh, and he does say, eat lead, you little rat, as he tries to shoot uh, the boys. Superman races the bullet and beats it to its target. He then throws Gimpy into the bay, and he's like, we got it, and then tries to like scare the boys by doing the same thing he did to Alex Greer in the first story, by you know, like running on telephone wires and doing flips and stuff, And but the boys are like, yeah, let's do that again, and, and that seems to be the end of the story, but then Superman is like, these slums, they're your poor living conditions, if there's only some way you could remedy it. And then, luckily, a, a little newsy boy comes by and gives Superman a newspaper. And it says that a cyclone that hit Florida just destroyed an entire city. And then the government rebuilt it. Rebuilt it. So Superman has the boys inform all of the, the people that live in the slums to get out, um, to evacuate. And so then Superman starts destroying the slums. Uh, the National Guard is called in. They can't stop him. Uh, the, there's aircraft are called in they cannot stop him uh, and, and and superman basically levels these slums and then uh, it cuts to a new scene where the government has rebuilt them into nice um apartment buildings and superman and the police chief or sorry clark kent and the police chief are like great problem solved but like this is a real misunderstanding of, of the relation of poverty and crime. People live in poor living conditions and do crime because they don't have any money. And that's the only way they can get by. So giving them a nice place to live, sure, that's great. Is it going to cost the same? Or is it going to cost more? And it, it doesn't really change doesn't really change their situation other than the fact that they have a, a nicer place to live. They still don't have any money and they're still going to do crime if they have to. Like that's, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's old world thinking. It's the 1930, it's 1938. They don't really understand uh, or refuse to understand that poverty's correction, connection with crime. Uh, so he did it. He got him some nice apartments and, and he saved the day. Great. Um, great. 
That's great. Good, good job, Superman. I'm proud of you. Just kidding. You didn't really do anything. Uh, the Zatara story for Action Comics number nine is titled The Indian Prince, and it involves um, Zatara stopping the kidnapping of a young Indian prince and getting involved in a, in a civil war. He stops the civil war, uh, or he you know, aids the side of, of the royalty and, and stops it, stops the rebel army and, and rescues the, the prince that's been kidnapped. And that's basically it. Stop, stops the rebel army and, and, and frees the boy. It, it's weird uh, that Zatara, a magician, again, again, I, I've harped on this all episode. It's weird that a magician, Zatara, gets involved with this, like, you know, civil war. But he clearly does it on the side of, like, the people in power. And that's kind of, that's kind of dumb, like... Uh, oh, I mean, then again, he's not Superman. If he was Superman, he probably would have gotten in, you know, on the side of the rebels because Superman is uh, the champion of the oppressed. But Zatara's not. He's just, you know, whoever asks him for help, he basically says, yep, I will help you. So that's that's that. And finally, uh, the last issue we're going to be talking about today is Detective Comics number 23. This is another uh, Crimson Avenger story. It's titled The Zombie Killers. I actually find this one to be kind of interesting. It starts off with several gangsters being murdered by men who are, like, in a trance. Um, the Crimson Avenger, you know, Lee Travis dons his his costume and follows the uh, two of the killers. Uh, he's caught while he's trying to follow them, and he's brought to the hideout kind of, like, as a prisoner. He uh, takes off his Crimson Avenger disguise and pretends to be one of the zombies. Uh, he discovers that a mad scientist is using these zombie men to kill gangsters so that he can take over as like the boss of the underworld uh and he finds out that he they are going to sacrifice linda perry uh who is an heiress um they're going to sacrifice her to a cobra which is like their god crimson avenger you know lee travis puts back on his crimson avenger costume and stops them and the cops come and then the crimson avenger disappears in a puff of smoke or however he disappears and that's a very batman story because like batman deals with a lot of you know kind of villains that do crazy stuff with either science or magic or whatever and this is very along those lines um before batman did it so it's cool it's good and that is all the issues that um we will be covering this episode uh i hope you liked it i hope i did a good job i'll obviously get better as time goes on and the stories get less goofy. Next time we'll be talking about, uh, we'll be covering 1939, the first six months-ish of, of 1939. Uh, it'll be the introduction of uh, Batman. Uh, won't quite get to the introduction of The Flash or Hawkman who are um, introduced in the latter half of 1939. But yeah, uh, we're making, I mean, we made progress and we're going to make continue to make progress we're going to slowly march on towards the, the future if you want to get in contact with me you want to tell me uh nick you don't know what you're talking about in, involving cover dates uh or anything you can uh contact me at the podcast's instagram which is a uh, issue issue podcast i-s-s-u-e I-S-S-U-E podcast. Don't have a Twitter yet. Don't know if I'm going to get a Twitter for the podcast because Twitter is dying because Elon Musk has basically ruined it. So uh, might get a Twitter, might not. Otherwise, uh, just hit me up at the Instagram. That's where I'll be posting primo panels. 
Um, I've got a few from this week. They should be pretty good. I uh, hope you'll like it. And as always, new podcasts, so be sure to uh, like and subscribe uh, and leave a review. Tell me tell me how you liked it. Tell me what I can improve on because I'm always trying to improve, get better at, at this. So yeah, that's, that's it for this week, and we will see you next week as we continue our journey issue by issue from the past to the present. Mm-hmm.